And welcome to the Ascend Television Network, and welcome to our program, Second Chances. My name is Greg Hennis, and, and what a privilege and honor it is to have this program. And we are so blessed and honored each and every week. We have people that come on this program as a guest. They may be on the East Coast, could be on the West Coast. They could be in the middle of the country. They could even be on the other side of the world. We even have, have had guests from places like Australia. But no matter what they do, where they're from, or what their story is, they all have a common bond. That common bond is they have chose to make the decision to live for the Lord. And we have a guest with us today. Actually, I believe he's coming to us from the great state of South Carolina. And our guest today is uh, Michael Grady. And the book we're going to speak about is called Making God Part of Your Family. And Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on Second Chances. Thank you. I look forward to it. Love organizations that have the same purpose that uh, in life, that the priorities that I do. It's great to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, real quick, whereabouts in South Carolina are you located? More toward the East Coast, more toward the middle of the state? You know, whereabouts? Well, Myrtle Beach is on the very close to the east. Everybody, many people on the east of the Mississippi know where Myrtle Beach is because that's the best beach place around. And we're 70 miles directly west of Myrtle Beach. It says here in your in your biography that there's many things you've been involved in in life, and, and they are uh, you've taught Sunday school, Bible study groups for over 30 years. You're a certified public accountant by trade, a certified United Methodist lay speaker, uh, evangelic association leader, an experienced educator, and a professional speaker. So obviously you are very uh, for real for the Lord, very on fire for Him. Uh, could you share with us a story about, you know, how you got to know Jesus, your background, things like that, uh, as we begin our program today? I would, and would like to point out, too, that I feel like that I'm in full-time ministry, uh, regardless okay. of the fact that I have uh, a job to do that I get paid for. Uh, that gives me an opportunity to see people in different environments, and so uh, I, I fill my life with feeling like that my priority would be to service to God. Uh, okay. Uh, Paul made tents for a living, so he wasn't dependent on people. I say I give advice. Uh, my issue is I probably spend a little too much time making tents or giving advice and not as much to the Lord and I'm trying to change a little bit of that. But it comes from my background. Um, I was very fortunate that I grew up in a Christian home with parents that loved the Lord and took me to church, and, and I enjoyed that. Uh, at five years old, uh, my mother began telling me Bible stories. Uh, and I enjoyed them and, and looked forward to them, loved the Old Testament. Uh, at 12 years old, uh, I was chosen to speak the Gettysburg Address at church. And um, I asked my mom for a reward and my mother and my dad to ask for a reward uh, for having done that. And uh, there was a children's Bible there. And I said, can I have the children's Bible? And she said, yes, you, yes, you can if you promise to read it every day. And I was a little bit different. I did choose to read it every day, and it was very enjoyable. I started with Genesis and, and began through through the text. And by the time I was 17, uh, my mother told me that you've learned to read the Bible, now it's time to study it. And uh, she gave me a book that by Dr. M. R. DeHaan that started the radio Bible class. He was a medical doctor that gave it up to establish the radio Bible class. We know it today as the Daily Bread Ministries. Uh, he wrote a book called Portraits of Christ in Genesis, and I was just wild by that book because he showed me in Genesis that Jesus was in the Old Testament. He was there right there in Genesis and part of God's plan for us. 
and it just changed the way I looked at the Bible. And as a result, one of the characteristics of me as a personality is that I like to share what uh, I've learned. And so I began teaching. Uh, and when I became, when I got settled into my career and professional life, uh, I settled in that I wanted to teach eight to 12 year olds. Uh, I was an eight to 12 year old that couldn't sit still. And I loved the fact that we had a children's church where I could go and I had to sit so still. And I started that. And I chose that age for, for two primary reasons. One, that the primary reason was is that uh, not too many men teach the children. And I, I felt like that they needed the influence of the man. And, and the second uh, reason was is that I thought they were old enough to listen, but not so old they knew everything. And I felt it was a great timing to do that. But I also like to teach adults. And so I began sharing those things. And it, it, it disturbed me that people at the church would tell you that the Bible was the most important book, but they haven't read it. And I, over the years, I've discovered why they haven't uh, read it. Uh, the, the three consistent portions. One, they say, I can't understand it. Two, they say it's boring. And three, they say the Old Testament is not relevant. And I felt like that that I could help with that misconception and change that or, or change that perception of the Bible. And so after years of teaching it, uh, I chose to say maybe I could spread it out a little bit better by putting it down in a book. Didn't know how difficult that was going to be. Uh, uh, but that's uh, that's what I've tried to do is in the book that I've written is to make them uh, easier to understand more engaging, and point out how relevant they are, both to our daily lives and for eternity. Hmm. So is this book that we're going to talk about today, Making God Part of Your Family, uh, really the message you're trying to convey is about how important it is to have the Bible be a part of your family? Is that really the, the big message here? That's how the title got to, to be, is that I wanted the family spending the time reading the Bible together. And if they weren't going to read it on their own, maybe they needed some help. I thought it was wonderful that I got some help from people uh, that in, in reading the Bible. It didn't mean it took the place of reading the Bible, but it helped me uh, to interpret it. And I, what's unique about what I wanted to do is that I wanted it to be a family book. So that meant it had to be for adults. But it also had to have a strong family flavor. And I know an 8- to 12-year-old can understand it because I've taught them for 30 years. The way I've written it, it's on the adult level, and the adults can get much out of it. But I think we underestimate what an 8- to 12-year-old can understand. But reading it on their own, it would probably be too difficult. Teenager, yes. Eight, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old, probably not. So that was my hook. I wanted the parents to read it with them. The parents were learning, and at the same time, they were explaining to their children. And, they, and if you make it a little more engaging, I made the stories conversational. I made them so there'd be a 10 to 15-minute read. Uh, I read it with my granddaughters, and uh, it would take 30 to 45 minutes because they asked questions, which is what I wanted. And uh, But if you read it as a nighttime, it'd be 10 to 12 minutes apiece. Uh, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper. I wanted it to be a Bible study. That's why the subtitle is called the Family Bible Study. Uh, so not only did I ask questions during the middle of the story, but at the end I asked discussion questions to reinforce what they may have learned. And then I did something that I think is unique that really made it a, a Bible study if you wanted to carry it that far. 
is that all the scriptures I used to tie the Old and New Testament together, I annotated so that at the end I listed the scriptures and I had a little number at the end that had tied to a number in the story so that uh, the families really could dig deeper. One of the things that I knew it was for all levels is because my biggest compliments, interesting enough, has come from the 18 to 30-year-olds. How about that? They've never read the Bible. And they say, I love the way you made it easy enough to understand, but made it deep enough. So I really felt like I was studying God's word. And uh, those are the kinds of compliments that have encouraged me to know that it accomplished the purpose. But but to, my heart was, is that the family read it together. And you got mm. that long answer to your question. That's OK. So you mentioned that putting this together, making God part of your family, this book, uh, study guide, if you will. Uh, was more difficult than you thought it would be. Why did you say that? Well, because when you start putting it down in writing, when when I'm telling the story, you're telling the story, but nobody can quote you on what you've done. But when you're actually putting it on paper, you've documented what you've said, and I wanted it to be God's Word. I did not want there to be any inconsistency with what my interpretation of God's Word was, and I'd much rather it not been my opinion. So anytime I could use the New Testament to tie that back together, I did. And uh, so that it was a lot of drafting. Uh, I tell people that I went to graduate school at the University of Alabama to get my master's of accounting. But I, I'm still convinced that my teachers were English professors because they tore my writing up. <laughs> what they did is they taught me how to write. I'm not natural at it. And uh, so that I... I write like I talk, a lot of words, and so you need to make it more concise, and I've learned to do that over the years. Uh, But I draft and redraft, go back to the Bible to make sure it's consistent, and uh, putting it all down and and developing the the plan. Uh, Telling the story was one thing, but reinforcing it, making it a Bible study book, uh, making it engaging, all of those things are are critical to, to and it takes a lot longer when, when I, as you've shared, I already have a full-time job. This is my job between 12, 10 o'clock at night and 2 o'clock in the morning is my Bible writing time or on Saturdays <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, it's interesting how God uh, surrounds us with people and things that we need. And as you just kind of shared, back at the University of Alabama, you were actually surrounded with what you said were, you know, uh, English professors in disguise. And really, God was preparing you, even at that time, for this job later in life. Uh, Very interesting. Um, So, into this book, uh, you refer to the Bible, Michael, as more than just a storybook. Uh, Tell us why you would say that. Well, Jesus taught in parables, and I believe that God did the Old Testament in parables. I I actually believe they were true stories, but I believe he chose specific stories for Moses and the other writers of the Old Testament. He chose them to put certain, certain stories in the Bible so that it would teach us lessons. So I don't, I, while I believe it's history, I also believe it was God's message to us so that it was, yes, it is a story. and, And I believe it's in story form because sometimes it's easier for us to learn that way. Uh, That's why Jesus taught in parables. But I think with inside the story, there are life lessons. I don't believe people are much different today than they were back then. We have technology difference. We have different lifestyles, but personalities and people are the same. And there's so many things. 
uh, I believe God's told some stories. I believe if I was telling the story of my people, I don't believe I told everything he told. I mean, there are good things and bad things about this. He didn't leave anything out. And I think that he wanted to let us know that they were real people and they had real problems and God had solutions to those problems. And these stories help us live with it. Uh, Joseph, the coat of many colors. You have jealousy. You have favoritism. You have difficulties in life. That story alone has abundance of things that it could teach us how to live this life and what to do in difficult circumstances. He had, God had given him a vision and a plan that he was going to be the leader of his family and that they would even be bowing down to him and in the midst. But yet, look how his life got diverted. He was a slave for a number of years, and then he was a wonderful slave so much he was rewarded. But uh, in the end, he was rewarded so much he was thrown in dungeon. How does that for a reward? Uh, and how does God, and, but yet, he didn't give up hope. And instead of getting up and pouting, in complaining, he got up and would, would be the best type of, uh, they even let him be the jailkeeper because he did such a wonderful job. I think all of that was preparing him for something later. As you said, my college professors were preparing me to write this book many years later. I believe those 13 years that Joseph was a slave and in the dungeon, God was preparing him for being prime minister. From an earthly perspective, we would never think being in a dungeon would help us prepare to be prime minister. But I think if you could make a dirty, rotten, nasty jail go smoothly, you could make anything go smoothly. And I think that, but all along, he had to keep the faith. And so one day he was in jail, the next day he was prime minister, and he was prepared for it. We don't understand the way God does things, but if we have faith in him, we can do like Joseph did when his brothers came to him at the end after his fathers died. The brothers were afraid that he was going to take revenge on them for selling him into slavery. And so they came and said, Daddy told us not not to kill us now. And I, I don't know if Daddy did that or not, but they were definitely going to do that. <laughs> and I think that he said, uh, but Joseph told them when, when he said, he says, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And he said, I'm in God's place. And boy, did that ring true with me. Wouldn't that be wonderful if no matter where we were, we understood we were in God's place. We were where God wanted us to be. And if we just have to sometimes go through the difficulties and, and decisions in life, and that's what these stories do. You can see that I have the passion for the stories because they're so, they're alive today. Joseph had to go through the jealousy and then the difficulties he had, his father's favoritism with him. But yet, in the end, God had a plan. And I think that's exciting. And I think that's what the, and that's what I try to point out in the stories. Um. You know, as as we look at where the world is today, you know, there's a constant ongoing attack on the Bible. Um, a lot of people say it's not accurate, it's not reliable, you know. Well, this part doesn't relate to us anymore, and so, you know, we can go on and on and on with all that kind of stuff. But how do you respond to people that say, oh, it's not accurate, it's not reliable, you know, that was a law for many years ago, but it's different today. How, how would you respond to some of that? From, from my perspective, I, I would admit there was a few things in the Bible I can't explain. But there's so many more that I can't explain. It's just wonderful to me how God's prophecy came true and the plan that God had. I don't. The Bible's not a science book, but I don't think it's inconsistent with science. I think that the Bible had many things many attributes about people and understandings about people. And yet 
if you look at these things, the things Moses wrote in around 1500 BC, we say we saw come come to life. I believe that the prophecies of Jesus coming were just amazing. And the look in the story of the Passover. In the story of the Passover, the people, the Israelites were asked to sacrifice an innocent, pure lamb, spotless. And they were supposed to shed the blood of the lamb on their doorpost to, to save them from the angel of death. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us? I just mm-hmm. love the symbolism. And that's where Jesus, the spotless lamb, the innocent lamb, the one that had done nothing wrong, which is what Jesus did, was sacrificed. And if we put the blood of Jesus on our hearts, we will too will be saved from the angel of death. Uh, but, you know, there's so many little things that God did that point to, to show me that it's real. And the, incon- the whatever inconsistencies I can't figure out, there's there's 10 times more things that point out that are just unbelievably true. And God was even willing to tell us, you remember the one of the things the Israelites were told not to do, that when they went on the cross, they were told not to break a bone of the lamb. And then when Jesus was on the cross, they were supposed to break the bones to allow them to go ahead and die before the Passover. And they came to Jesus and they didn't break his bones. Isn't that a neat little thing? God was trying to give us a little nugget to be able to show you know, this Bible is true, and it's real, and the prophecies are true. And I think if people will take a look at one of the wonderful things that are consistent, that are real, then those little ones that we have explained, sometimes they were 100 years ago, they had things that they now can explain. Hmm. And so I think continue that way. Uh, Michael, if someone is interested in, in picking up a copy of Making God Part of Your Family, best way to obtain a copy? There's multiple ways. I have a website. Uh at michaelgrady.org, www.michaelgrady.org. Uh, there's a ministry that I have. Um, the uh, You can buy the book right on, on my website. Uh, Barnes & Nobles has it. Amazon has it. A lot of the Christian bookstores have it. Uh, so you can order it through them. Uh, there, there are a, a number of ways. Uh, I would love for people to come on the website to see what it was like and, and have the contact with them and, and develop a relationship with them. I love the communication uh, with the people who've read the books, and uh, it, it's just it's part of my ministry. So I, that that would be my preferred way. But any way people do it, it would be wonderful. Okay. Now, as you mentioned, you share Bible stories uh, and and kind of help make them so families can relate, and that's your ultimate goal. Uh, Considering adding on to this, doing more Bible studies that weren't covered uh, with the original uh, book? Yeah, I've got my first book uh, was uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. My second book has just come out is Joshua through 1 Samuel. I am trying to complete the third volume right now that will complete the Old Testament. Uh, My Bible study group that we've been meeting for 30 years says I'm going to do the New Testament. I'm not sure I'm there yet on that one. Um, It's a whole different (laughs) Uh, a whole different way of, of teaching, and, and but look forward to that. Um, but yes, I think w- what I'd like people to really see, and, and it's not only a practical guide to living, uh, but in those, I think that Passover story was a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. I, I believe when Abraham sacrificed uh, Isaac, it was a prophecy of, of the coming of Jesus. Uh, and I want people to understand that there's the two things of the book is that not only do they help us with our daily lives and give us guidance, but it's also that the plan of salvation, God had a plan for us. We have fallen, and he's got a way back, and I believe these Old Testament stories point that out, and I want people to, to, to get that. 
Uh, I've written the book. I say it's written from eight to eighty. Uh, that's who. That's who can get something out of it. Well, that pretty much covers the whole spectrum. <laughs> it does. It's for the younger group. It's not for the younger members. And and who knows? I don't know whether a six or seven year old could understand it because I've never taught them. But it's a little above their head. Uh, but uh, other than that, I think it's for everybody. Yes, sir. Amen. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the constant messages uh, throughout is to get the family together, get them to spend time together, get them to learn about the Word of God as a group, and, and wonderful thing. But you suggest as well that spending time as a family, putting God first, does create a calm, peaceful, richer family life. Explain to us how that process actually works when you do these things. I think when you read the Bible, you're able to discuss things before they happen, to anticipate them and say, how would you deal with the situation so that when the situation comes up within the family, you've already discussed it. Uh, I think it brings a time of togetherness for the family because that's what God has intended for us to do with this. And it gives the family a chance to interact with each other. It is very difficult to, to put aside the time. We're so busy in today's life and so many distractions. It's very difficult to do that. But if the families would do, if the families would make the priority in their lives to sit down, I believe they would find that the interaction with each other and the ability to discuss things, if parents need to be open, they need to let their children have a say in this and share with them. And I think the parents would learn something too uh, to be able to to, to really put what's a priority. And I think the younger you start, the better influence you have. Uh, I'm disappointed that we're not allowed to share in our schools uh, the, the, our, our, our beliefs because I think, I think it's our responsibility and our privilege to influence the people. We don't demand. We can't dictate. But we certainly ought to give them the benefit of the wisdom we have by showing them what we think is important. And by getting the family together, it's a wonderful time for the parents to be able to begin instilling those uh, attributes and those characteristics in the life that I think will be serving. And I don't believe we would have the problems that our teenagers and young adults face today where they're lost and don't know where to go. Well, obviously, you know, getting the families together works really well. But once in a while, especially when you have teenagers... Those that have teenagers raise their hand. Uh, there's that group that is sometimes reluctant to participate in family activities. So how do you work, work it out, your experience getting teenagers involved in these family get-togethers when their instinct is, nah. Right. I think I, I do think you have to work around. You do have to anticipate what they need. I would say that maybe when you're eating, I, my my mother taught me that having sitting down having a meal together at night was an important part, and I think that would be great. And sometimes start asking questions based on reading the Bible when you're in the car traveling, doing it that way. If you have teenagers, I would give them the opportunity to say, "Would you read it? And would you teach us in the devotion in the morning?" Particularly if you have younger children, let the teenagers have the responsibility of, of telling the story to the, to the child and making the comments, incorporating them in ways that, that would make them feel part of it instead of them being talked to. Because uh, I just had a week's visit with my 16-year-old granddaughter, 
and she told me what was what instead of me. You understand that? <laughs> she, she had she had ideas, but you know, she is amazing what she thought through. Now I had different conclusions than she did, but she just didn't make up stuff. She had looked up stuff. She had looked, and I think we got along because I listened to her. And once I listened to her, she was then more receptive to listen to me. And I think that's what that's the trick. I think with teenagers is that we first have to think that they're important and what they have to say is important and listen to them and let them be some of the guidance. And then you will have a bigger impact influence. So that, that's my suggestion. It's still difficult. I won't tell you that it's not difficult. Uh, the old story is you practice what you preach. And obviously you're, you're speaking about spending time with your family. This is something that I know that you uh, mentioned in our interview here that you've done with your own children. What would you say that your own children learned from the process of studying together as a family? What were some of the takeaways they had? I'll give you two examples, one by my daughter and one by my son. My my daughter uh, went off at, between her junior and senior year in high school, uh, went off to a camp. And that first week of camp, they were working on some stuff, but um, they it, they were going to get the weekend off uh, or they did, they had to pass the test knew they knew the Bible. And um, so uh, at the end of that first week, my daughter passed the test on the first time. And she said, Dad, your teaching finally came through. It, uh, <laughs> so she did, you, you don't know what they're listening to, but they, she did come through. And then my son, um, when he got married, um, he used a scripture verse uh, that I put down uh, when he was a senior in high school. I put do not forsake us assembling together because I was knew that all of a sudden my son was going off to college and I knew that was the last year that we would be formally together again. And I used that as our theme for the, our devotions that year. And he commented that when he chose that scripture verse to read at his wedding. And, and Amen. That, that showed me that you have an influence. You don't always know, you don't always understand, but there are things that come back by having these times together that, that to, to me, uh, that was worth all the time together uh, because we had that one year. But there were other things, obviously, too. But th- those are a couple of items. Great. Well, obviously, the, the message throughout is that it's very important to study the Word. And what you've done with Volume 1 and Volume 2, Michael, the Bible study guide, uh, making God part of your family, it really is very important. And you know, the program that we have here every every uh, week here on the Ascend Television Network, the number one goal is to give people an opportunity to learn, learn about the value of the Word, learn about the value of, you know, living the Christian life. But most importantly, we want to give people the opportunity to be saved. And this book is a great tool for, you know, someone once they make that decision to come together as Christ along with their family. Great tool. Michael, would you be willing to say a little prayer for our, our viewers this morning that maybe are ready to make that decision to, to live for the Lord? Amen. Love to. Thank you. Thanks for that. You're very welcome. I have a Father, we're grateful that you've given us the privilege to, to share our faith with others. And listening to the to the messages that we have today, the the program that they have each and every day that comes on comes across the airways. We're so thankful that you've given us the opportunity to share our faith. And for those that are listening, I pray for a softening of the heart that would be ready to take in 
and listen to the message that you have that Jesus Christ has come to die and rise to save them and provide eternity and a way back for the sins that we've created. Father, I pray that they would repent of those sins just like we all must do and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and confess him with his mouth and accept him in his heart as their Lord and Savior in their lives. Father, the blessings upon them will be forever, but knowing that even through the difficulties that they'll have in this life, that you will be with them, will allow them to to survive. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our guest today on Second Chances has been Michael Grady, the uh, study guide, Making God Part of Your Family, Volume 1 and Volume 2 is now available. Michael, one more time, the best places to learn more about you, your ministry, receive copies of the book and things like that. My website is www.michaelgrady.org. Very simple, michaelgrady.org. Look forward to having someone visit on the site. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, Michael, and uh, a privilege to to visit with you. And uh, when you get to the New Testament, you want to come back and share that? We'd love to have you back again. Thank you very much, Greg. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Our guest today on Second Chances has been Michael Grady. Keep watching the Ascend Television Network. For more Second Chances, thanks again for watching.